Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 17, Gulls as Sentinels. In episode 16, we talked in a general way about persistent organic pollutants, chemicals that resist breaking down through the usual microbial pathways, and thus tend to accumulate in food chains, increasing in concentration the higher up in trophic level you go. They seem to be an especially big problem in aquatic food chains, as these chemicals are often hydrophobic, so they do not disperse well in water. They instead readily absorb into fatty or oily substances, be they the lipids of a small marine organism or a particle of microplastic trash floating by. The problem with these chemicals is that, as a group, they have a documented suite of negative health impacts on a wide variety of organisms. They can weaken or disrupt immune function, act as hormone disruptors, have carcinogenic effects, impair brain function, and lead to overall lowered survival. Humans are rightly interested in monitoring for this kind of pollution, and are always on the lookout for organisms that can be used as sentinels, species that can be monitored to track contamination levels in their eggs or tissues. Because gulls, as a group, have such a wide distribution, and because many seem quite happy living in close proximity to humans, they've been targeted by many studies seeking to see if they would be a good group of sentinel species for us to use to track our own recalcitrant pollutants. Pollutant levels could be compared around the northern hemisphere, from a circumpolar species like the herring gull. But the answer as to whether or not we can do this, unsurprisingly, is it depends. And one of the things it depends on is what pollution you're looking for. The marine environment is a sink for many legacy chemicals no longer in production, as well as those developed as alternatives and currently still in use. The alphabet soup of PBDEs and OCs and PFASs, etc. To study the impact on and accumulation of these chemicals in the marine environment, you should study an organism that eats exclusively in the marine food web. And it turns out that the gull, as ubiquitous as it is, isn't always the best organism for this. We know that gulls as a group are generalist eaters. They will eat whatever is available and take advantage of a wide variety of foods. We also know that one reason gulls have made such a comeback from their 19th century near extinction is because of us and all of our trash. So it turns out that when using them to monitor marine pollution, they aren't the best markers. It's better to use something like the common eider, a heavy-bodied sea duck that is quite specific in its food choices, eating only shellfish from marine food webs. To use gulls as indicators of marine pollution, we have to look at far more remote species, like those that breed in the high Arctic, to get a sense of what strictly marine feeding gulls are accumulating. And yes, there are plenty of persistent organic pollutants far from population centers, accumulating in the tissues of the Arctic and Antarctic species, transported by both atmospheric and oceanic circulation. Nowhere is spared from this scourge. Other studies, have found that if you compare two populations of the same gull, one that lives in a national park and the other that lives in a nearby urban area, the urban gulls will often have more contamination, which isn't shocking, and it's presumably from eating exclusively from landfills. In some cases, urban gulls eating trash have lower levels of pollution than birds that feed exclusively on wild fish. In others, the urban gulls are worse off. So really, it depends on what the gulls are feeding on, and their diet can be so varied because of their ability to eat as generalists wherever they are, they may not be the best sentinels to use if we want to track levels of pollutants for our own purposes. The bottom line, however, 
it's that these chemicals are found in wildlife at all. This is our mess. But like all of our messes, this one has seeped unseen into the world around us, quietly accumulating in food webs, disrupting reproduction, increasing metabolic rates, depressing immune systems, and adding yet another layer of stress upon the organisms we share this planet with. And whether we can see it in a specific sentinel species or not, there should be no doubt that what is happening to our fellow creatures, especially the ones that live off our trash, is happening to us too. This has been episode 17 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Sid Hartham, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening, and join us next week.